Welcome to another episode of Comedy Wham Presents with me, your host, Valerie, sometime co-host, Miss Purrington, and Mookie. ComedyWham.com is your place to go for features about all Austin comedy. You can keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at Comedy Wham or on our Comedy Wham Facebook page. In addition to podcasts, Comedy Wham brings you articles, album reviews, our advice column, Rochelle Takes on Comedy, and we've also got a festivals page and our FPIA page uh, summarizing all of the contest results. And of course, we're best known for our events page for live shows in Austin, Houston, and DFW. If you're a comic in those cities and want your show featured on the calendar, go to the events page and click Submit a Show to complete the short survey. Tag us on your Instagram stories or posts, and we'll share your show promo. Looking for ways to support all these resources that we provide? You can donate to Comedy Wham on PayPal, Venmo, or even Patreon. Search for Comedy Wham on Patreon and check out our subscriber perks. Now let's get back to our podcast. Launched in 2016, the podcast project brings you funny people and their stories. As a fan, I like to delve into a comic's background and motivations, and we usually take a detour along the way. Consider the interview a way for you to get to know the folks that make the Austin comedy scene one of the best in the country. If you like this podcast, please rate and review us. Today, we originally talked to our guest back in 2018. He has served as the artistic director of Boom Chicago in Amsterdam. He directed Boom Chicago Rockstars. He both studied and eventually taught at the universally recognized and respected Second City Chicago and Cleveland. When he and his wife settled in Austin, he made a name for himself with a handful of improv troops and claimed Cold Town Theater as his, own, as his home theater, where he's been serving as an executive producer. I'm guessing that that title has changed since then. Uh, during the pandemic, he and his fellow Cold Town Theater family lost their original venue, but fought and thrived by providing online content and more recently by having shows around town. The theater recently started producing shows at venues. Oh, that's what I just said. The theater recently started producing shows at venues around town. We what? did. <laughs> yeah. We did it all over town. You did. While waiting to settle into your new venue. And we are so, so thrilled to hear that uh, and, and see that uh, Cold Town Theater's launch in early November uh, in a brand new permanent space at a gorgeous uh, location on East 2nd. And now Comedy Wham presents our guest... Dave Buckman. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Oh, uh, so as you may or may not remember, I used most of the same introduction elements from our 2018 mm-hmm. episode. You're not just executive producer anymore, right? Yeah, that's that's my title. Is that really? But also co-owner. Okay, all right. That's yeah. that's the part. Yeah. I mean, I was a co-owner first, and then I made myself executive. Producer. Oh, <laughs> well, that's the way you do it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, welcome back. Thank you for having me. Uh, four years. God, has it only been four years? I know. Or, God, it's been it's four It's been four years. years, right? I mean, what happened between then and now? It's really only two years, right? right. Because we can just <laughs> strike off about two years oh, of Oh, how I wish life. I could strike those two years. <laughs> oh, as co-owner, and, and that not, must have and hurt. And not count them. That'd be great. But that must have hurt. But as Banks have repeatedly told me, we cannot count out. 2020 and 2021. Ooh, ooh, that hurts. Yeah. That hurts. Uh, well, tell us how life was rocking between 18 and March oh of 2020. God. We were poised. We were so poised <laughs> to launch into a stratosphere. We were getting like, um, 
recognition from Just for Laughs. We were, uh, uh, you know, we were about to launch so many people. We uh, had actually been saving for years to get our own space, a new space, because we knew we were outgrowing yeah. um, the spaces that we were in. Um, and in February 2020, we'd actually put down a deposit for a new space oh. at the Link. Um, the Link, where's that? That's where um, Easy Tiger's up there now, like Middle Festival Road. Okay. Like, you know, over by um, where Vivo is now. Yeah. I, it's AFS, the AFS uh, cinema. Okay. Anyway, um, we thought we were going to be moving in there February 2020, and then everything dropped, and uh, we had a fight to get our security deposit back, which we only got half of back. Mm. And um, we were just sitting on this little, like, bundle of cash that we'd saved, um, which isn't a lot, but it was enough to kind of, like, launch us somewhere. Yeah. And then the pandemic hit, and then we thought, you know, maybe a couple of weeks, a couple of months. Um, and then uh, Jester decided to leave. One of our owners decided to divest and get an RV and drive around the country. You know, <laughs> God bless him. He's a lot happier now. Um, and so we brought in Tari uh, to replace him in, in ownership. And, you know, I don't think if Tari hadn't joined uh, Cold Town ownership, I don't know that Cold Town would still be here. Really? I, I don't know. I can't. I couldn't do this by myself. Yeah. Um, it was just too much. I didn't, there's a lot I didn't know how to do by myself because Mike did a lot of it. Um, so it was, you know, either that happened or it didn't. And then we struggled for a while and then we found out about this, um, shuttered operators venue grant from the, uh, Save Our Stages Act, hmm. which bailed out a lot of theater entities around town. You know, it's all public record. So, you know, Esther's Finley's got some money, Moody Center got some money, Heino yeah. got some money. And we got some money. And so it's like more money than we'd ever had in our bank account, for hmm. sure. But it was in, it was like maybe three quarters of what an annual budget would be anyway. Um, so we just sat on that money for a year or so, being itinerant and trying to like look for a space. And we had a space that we love. Yeah. Um, we negotiated a lease. We uh, had floor plans drawn up, lighting grid, and just like we were ready to go. And we just thought it'd be easy to get a bank loan because of how awesome we were doing up until 2019. And that did not prove to be true (laughs) because they didn't want to, they couldn't look at the 2018, 2019 books. They'd only look at the 2020 and 2021 books, which as you can imagine are abysmal. Uh, Of course we lost money in those years because we didn't have a space and, you know, we didn't, we didn't know how to shift appropriately. You were doing online. We're doing online stuff, we're but doing that's. St- and we we came back in 2021 to do some in-person classes, in-person shows, and it's been slowly building over the last year, uh, year and a half so far, of doing in-person stuff. But it's still, you know, we're 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 that's still the- operating at a loss, mm-hmm. um, minimally. You know, we're breaking even, or we're it's like, but we're not like killing it anymore. Yeah, and that's so, what the banks want. That's what the banks want to see: proven success. So, Tari found the space on LoopNet that we're in now. Um, and we know that that's going away in a year too. That will also be torn down in a year for condos. We knew that going in. It's a 14 month lease, oh. but we couldn't afford it to do the place we want to go into because it's a half a million dollar interior construction. Mm. It's just an empty space and we need a theater. We need walls. We need soundproof walls yeah. for the kind of business we need to do. We need three or four classrooms. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need a hangout space out back. And so all that's figured out. We just don't have, uh, we have half of what we need to make that project happen. So rather than just sit on that money and just cry, we decided to open up a space for a year, give investors and donors 
an opportunity to see what we want to be doing, mm -hmm. uh, bank, you know, to start a, a track record. And hopefully, God willing, by the summer, we're killing it again. Yeah. And people will be like, how do I get involved with this? How do I invest in this? How do I, you know, I've had a lot of interest from people who are interested, but we need to be doing it to attract the kind of people that we need to attract to either invest or, or donate the money that we need to make yeah. it happen. Because I don't think it's going to happen bank-wise or city-wise. So even the city's been really hard to deal with on top of all this, too. So. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, I I know from the stories of the the many, many delays for Cap City to reopen. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they told me, because I... I got to, to write an article for the, the Chronicle about the return of Cap City, they said it was less so the city. It was more so that they couldn't get the materials mm. and the construction crews. Yeah. We to didn't have anything with that because we had all our stuff in storage. So we were ready to go and, you know, we just needed to, like, paint some walls and yeah. hang some lights and build a tech booth and we're, we're, we're ready to go. Because yeah. the place that we moved into is perfect. I mean, I, I'd love one or two more rooms for more classrooms. And so we're on the hunt for either another $350,000 so we can build our bespoke custom-built improv <laughs> theater or a bar that's going under with lots of different rooms that we can yeah. convert into a theater. Um, and that's really what this year's about is finding that space and or, and or finding that money. Yeah, well... And if not, then this was fun. <laughs> Who would who would have who would think when you know they're at the early parts of their career uh -huh. and you know all they're focused on is stage time, stage time, yeah. stage time, and now here you are, and you're worried about what a bank thinks and you know a I lease. To, I have a dumpster showing up on Tuesday. <laughs> this is what your life has become. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean that that kind of stuff, like just learning what a you know we're we can't have a bar where we're at, so it's gonna probably be a retail store like Blue. Uh, Blue Gro what's that? Uh, blue Genie? No, not Blue Genie. What are those? Oh. Blue, Royal Blue. Royal Blue Groceries. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can buy, go in and buy like a single beer or uh -huh. a six-pack or a bottle of wine or a sandwich. Yeah. And have that kind of beer cafe, which is not what we wanted. But for some reason, that's what the city will let us thread a needle through to get to in order to provide people with refreshments for our shows. And we, the shows will have to be called classes, I think. Because I don't know if we can get a theater permit. We might have to get a classes permit. Oh, my gosh. It still requires a bunch of paperwork. But, you know, if we teach you what improv or stand-up or sketch is at the top of the show, that's an 80-person <laughs> class. So all this bullshit just to make some people laugh. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, how does Dave Buckman, the performer, improv extraordinaire, like navigate the, the performance and fun side of, of life with all of the stuff weighing on him. Navigate the fun and performance <laughs> life. <laughs> um, let me think. I have a Thursday night show uh, with some people that I really, truly love to watch improvise and play and uh, do that with. And I really enjoy... Uh, that half hour of turning my brain off. Um, I love teaching improv and sketch. I really do. I really truly enjoy opening up people's minds to the kind of getting in tap in touch with their senses of humor mm -hmm. and bringing that out of them and kind of showing them here's where you're strong, here's where you're weak, here's where you can get better, here's some things. I love that stuff. I love watching people blossom. 
Um, so that's very relieving. And I love, I've always been a producer and a director, so I love being in charge of a bunch of comedians. I love being around comedians. Yeah. Um, even this week, you know, I'm, I'm behind the bar uh, while we're still getting set up. And, you know, I love that part of it, too. I love the operations of a comedy club. But just being around funny people yeah. uh, makes me feel like a whole person. Cold Town has always been very good at, at balancing the, the improv with the support for the stand-up comics. You've always had strong programming on both both sides. We've really tried. I mean, we come from imp- improv and sketch. Um, but, you know, when I, if you asked me when I was 12 what I wanted to do when I grew up, I told everybody I wanted to be a stand-up. <laughs> and I've tried stand-up, but it's so hard, and I'm so not good at it. <laughs> which is odd, because I can improvise a speech, like a glowing speech about somebody. Yeah. Or I can get up and just say a few remarks without any preparation. But stand-up eludes me in a way that I don't understand why it eludes me. I get so hung up on the jokes and the rhythm mm. of the joke and not going well. And I'll get like in my head about yeah. the one last thing that just did not go well. And i am got a director's brain and a producer's brain. So I'm like constantly criticizing, giving myself notes throughout the performance and going up there. Remember to do this, remember to do that. And I get in my head a lot. So... Um, but I admire stand-up so much, and I love the art form of stand-up so much. Mm-hmm. And I love watching stand-ups on TV as well, and in the theater as well. I just saw, who did I just see last night? Leah Sampson ah. came to Cold Town to sit last night, and she was phenomenal. Mm. She played for three people. Oh. And, and treated them with the utmost respect. <laughs> completely, like, killed them. Uh-huh. Had zero, like, just, like, like hang-ups about playing for three people. And it was just, it was beautiful to watch. And yeah. She's just a beautiful person. She loves the stage. I mean, I think that's... That's true. One of the most important elements of, of being a performer. But she yeah, appreciated I love that those stage. three people, like, hitting those jokes. And, yeah. And it's just like, I love that dedication to making people laugh who would otherwise be at the movies or on the couch mm-hmm. or in the restaurant. So, I love those people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, tell us ab- about... The things that you did during during the the pandemic, like I remember simply being pretty involved in some of the the online shows. Mm-hmm. I'd I'd watch some of the the Twitch channel. Yeah, that was things. like figuring that out on the fly. We had no idea what we were doing. We <laughs> hired some folks to help us, but they bailed on us pretty quickly because uh, we didn't know what we were doing. Yeah, like, here's what you got to do to manage Twitch, and we're like, that's not how we do things. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've got these shows, main stage shows right now over at Game Game On ATX. We did the Emma Dilemma, which was a three camera shoot. Now we're doing Strange Town, which is a, a town hall, uh-huh. improvised town hall, uh, with a three camera shoot. So, I mean, that's really how we do it, and it's really fun to watch. If I can't make it up to a show to see it live, I can watch it on Twitch live, and it's still ah. very funny. Um, and that's really how we've been handling Twitch. But early on, we didn't know what we were doing. Yeah, and uh, we were just trying to do like anything to kind of keep. Basically, I felt like, um, you know, the story of Hanukkah, there's like uh, enough oil for one night and lasts for eight days. Yeah, and that's kind of yeah. what the pandemic felt like, <laughs> where my whole job was to keep this little tiny flame going uh-huh. for th- three years yeah. until we could get back into a, our space again. And that's really what, it, literally what I've been doing for yeah. three years, just keeping that little flame alive yeah. and trying to like keep community and keep um, uh, the Cold Town name out there. Yeah. Um, there's so many questions about the history of comedy that I, mm-hmm. I try to explore, the Austin comedy scene that I try to explore, because I, I'm getting to talk to new comics who like had no idea there was a comedy scene before the pandemic. Right. You know, and I'm sure you run into your fair share of, of comics like that. Uh, and then you know, there's people uh, recently was talking to Holly Hart, and mm-hmm. she was like, new enough before the pandemic 
that she felt like she was just starting to get to know people in the scene. And then as things started to reopen, it's like now she has to start from scratch at getting to know people because there's so many new people. Uh, as you were seeing stages wide open during the pandemic while many of the old guard comics and performers were being respectful of you know safety mm -hmm. and staying home mm -hmm. what was your what was your brain thinking about what was happening with the austin comedy scene well one thing i've learned about um running an improv theater for the last several years is that you can't control 20 year olds <laughs> yeah 20 year olds are gonna be 20 year olds <laughs> Yeah. 25-year-olds are going to be 25-year-olds. 30-year-olds are going to be 30-year-olds. And then once they get to be 30, they're like, oh, I don't have to do this every fucking night. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's new and hungry, and people had just moved here. And, you know, we, we did a really good job as a comedy scene of attracting uh, a national attention. Yeah. And so people were moving here. Mm -hmm. um, as they should. Same thing with the tech industry in Austin. You know, we but same thing with tech industry. Um we invited so many people to live in the city that we forgot to build um, a, a transit line for them or to get in and out of the city easily. Right. You know, and the same thing happened with comedy is that we attracted so many people and then we didn't, everything stopped, but all these people are here. What are they going to do? Not do comedy? Yeah. You know, half the country doesn't think the virus is real and uh, half of the people who think it's real are under 30 so, I mean, I think they were idiots to go out there and do that, um, but they didn't know any better, and how, yeah. how, why would they know any better? Yeah. It's, it's not expected of them. And why would they listen to us? And why would they listen to us? Yeah. Exactly. There's, yeah. There's, there's stages, there's audiences. People want to see shows. Yeah. People don't care about the virus. They want to see, God bless them. Do yeah. it. Go get the virus and, and, and do it. Yeah. Anyway, but the, all that is to say, I was jealous. Mm. I was very jealous. I wish... I am always the person in the Cold Town staff meetings where like, I don't care about a snowstorm. Let's just do the show. Mm. It's, who cares if it's raining? Let's do the show. I store, if three people want to do a show and two people want to watch it, uh -huh. why would we say no? Yeah. Why would we say, no, we're not going to take these two people's money and let these three people get some stage time? Yeah. But there's a lot of people at Cold Town that are like, well, let's be careful. And that's fine. And I usually listen to them. I usually acquiesce because... And that's why I think what's made Cold Town so good is that, you know, there is no person at the head that's like, this is the way it's going to be and this is my way. Mm -hmm. I'm very easygoing. And I usually, um, I'm very democratic as well. Uh -huh. And so if I, and I hire people that push back. I try to hire people that push back um, on, on ideas. And you know, I've got a really smart, uh, caring team mm -hmm. that uh, probably would never let us open until it's safe. In fact, we go overboard, you know. We just bought a $100 air purifier for Mason uh, for our upstairs classroom because one student wanted that. Ah. And we're like, yeah, it's worth it. It's worth it. Yeah. Um, so we're always, you know, we're very community-based. If somebody doesn't have money for a ticket, that's fine. If somebody doesn't have money for a workshop, we'll, we'll find a way to get you in. Mm -hmm. you, know, um, you know, I'm a capitalist. I want to make money at this. I want Cold Town to make money. I want Cold Town to be here in 25 years. But I also want to get as much comedy to people as possible. Yeah, yeah. And now that you're, you're, so we're recording on the 6th of November. You had your opening weekend mm -hmm. last weekend. Um, how excited were you to finally say, you know, I don't know, a month ago, two months ago, whatever, however, whenever you signed that lease <laughs> to say, oh my God, it's finally coming 
you know, we're finally getting a space. It's so exciting, and everybody's like chipping in. It feels like a like the old clubhouse again. Um, you know, put a lot of the old uh, photos on the wall, mm. uh, a lot of the old posters. I mean, every week there's something new going on there. We're gonna probably um, plaster a ceiling uh, with old show posters soon. And oh, gonna, neat! Yeah, just like little tweaks in there, just to kind of like whatever we can do, because we know that this space that we're in is going away at the end of next year. Mm-hmm. It will be torn down for condos. It's a 14-month lease. We know that. Um, we're gentrifying the neighborhood as well as also being gentrified out of the yeah. neighborhood at the same time. So, Gosh. Um, so this is a really, we, we just kind of design the space we can, put up the best shows we can, try to have as good a party atmosphere as possible, and hope to God that it's successful um, this year. And uh, uh, try to get the word out that we're fundraising and looking for donors, looking for investors that want to like take us to that next level. I think we can be like um, the uh, the millennial Esther's Follies. Yeah. Um, you know, we want to do main stage sketch shows that and reviews that run uh, for weeks and months. And we want to um, discover new comics. We want to um, get people on a bigger stages. We want to start bringing in acts that don't fit into traditional stand-up clubs. Um, you know, we're bringing in uh, TJ and Pete, who are, um, they were the, the Sonic guys for like 20 years. Oh, really? The Sonic commercials, uh-huh. the fun guy, and the, yeah, yeah. And the, and the brunette guy. And the front. So they're coming, they are maybe two of the best improvisers on the planet. Um, they're both Second City uh, uh, main stage people, and huh. TJ is part of this TJ and Dave group, which is by far one of the best improv duos ever, and Pete wrote um, for Colbert and for uh, Seth Meyers. And, wow. Uh, v, he's on Veep. He's on lots of things. So um, they're old friends, and they're going to come in, and I've got a lot of people lined up that maybe they can't donate thousands of dollars, but they can come in for a weekend and do a show, and mm-hmm. I want to start having us be the kind of place where you can catch a John Early or a Kate uh, um, Berlant or um, uh, uh Meg Stalter, somebody who doesn't is not going to show up at Cap City or Velveeta mm-hmm. Room, but is wildly funny, yeah, uh, and has more of a Dynasty typewriter feel to it. I think is yeah. the, the kind of club I want. Okay, what about stand-ups? Oh, stand-ups for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I want uh, Live at Cold Town's coming back Saturday nights. Nice. Yeah, stand-ups going to be Fridays and Saturdays uh, at ten o'clock. We're going to do a monthly sh- showcases Saturday night, uh, Friday nights. So first Friday, second Friday, third Friday, fourth Friday, there will be different mm-hmm. showcases. Tyler Gross is uh, putting a show together next Friday. Um, and then Sundays, uh, it tends to be an open mic. Okay. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, stand up. So a lot of the the, uh, the old traditionals are, are coming back. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And as the scene has changed, you know, and, and Tyler, I don't, I mean... I think it's kind of knowledge that he's splitting his time mm-hmm. right now between Austin and New York. Yeah. Um, we spent a year in Amsterdam together, Tyler and I. That's you were there at the same time? I was the reason he went out there. I, ah. They hired me to direct uh, the next main stage show. Ah. And they're like, do you happen to know any minority improvisers? I was like, I've got three. That'd be awesome. So I uh-huh. put up uh, Kenna Benefield and 
Maggie May and Tyler. Uh-huh. They, they went with Tyler. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, I was so a... we got to spend a year together uh, writing a sketch show together. Yeah. Was, or I, I spent two months writing it. He had to spend a year performing it. Performing. <laughs> <laughs> he was fun to talk to because one of the things that he talked about from his experience with Boom Chicago is learning how to write comedy in a way that's universal, that, you know, crosses cultural uh, knowledge and bias. A hundred percent. And I think that was so helpful for him to win the FPIA and oh, just yeah. kind of bump up his abilities as a stand-up. Boom Chicago is an amazing training ground because yeah. you have to be good to survive there. You cannot fake your way through that gig. That is a show every night, almost every night. At top level, you're dealing with drunk European hecklers <laughs> trying to throw you off your game. Um, and you got to be, you get, and you have to be able to freestyle rap. You have to be able to do improv comedy. You have to be able to talk to an audience and MC and host. It's like a lot of skill sets. People come back from Boom and they go usually go right to TV. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm I'm very intrigued by this notion of the drunk European heckler. Is that mm-hmm. how how different of a creature is that from the drunk American heckler? The European heckler thinks he's helping the show. Oh. They truly believe uh-huh. that they are helping you. <laughs> and they're like along for the ride. So they can't be... You can't shut them down the way you can an American heckler. Yeah. American heckler is there to uh, disrupt. Uh-huh. They, they think they're better than you. And you have to overcome... European, you can't shut a person down so hard that the audience turns on you. Mm. Because they all know that they're just trying to help. So you have to be yeah. clever enough and witty enough to... Let the audience know, like, yeah, but I'm funnier and smarter than this guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Without putting him down at the same time. Uh-huh. So it's a very, it's a tighter n- needle to thread. Huh. Interesting. And so you get your reps in. You get your reps in a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the original thought that I had is with people like Tyler moving away, mm-hmm. how do you figure out these are the new faces that I want to be involved with, you know, hosting the open mic or hosting the, the showcase? That's a great question. I mean, I've got a great artistic director, Will uh, Cleveland, who keeps his eyes on all the improvisers. And then we hired Angelina Martin to kind of produce our stand-up shows. Yeah. Um, so she's very, you know, she's the best stand-up producer in town. Yeah. So I yeah. want her on my team. Yeah. I'm so grateful she is. Um, uh, and then we use classes a lot, too. You know, people mm. um, come through classes that were like, this person's amazing. Or, you know, we watch the stand-up shows and kind of like listen to the word of mouth on, on the street and you mm-hmm. know we you know we raise a couple of stand-ups through our classes you know Yola, Yola came through our classes and um, Katie Stone came through our classes mm-hmm. and they might have been doing stand-up before but once they hit improv and stand-up together they usually just like yeah soar Mac Blake as well yeah. came, from, came from Cold Town um uh I don't know if that answers the question or not yeah, kind of. I mean but yeah we, we're I mean I always get sad when people tell me they're leaving Austin. Yeah. I, you know, it, it always breaks my heart a little bit because, but that's what we're doing here. We're, we are, we know we're a stepping stone yeah. to LA, Chicago, or New York. And I'm proud to be that. I think the more people that we get out there, the better Austin is, the better Cold Town is. And, um, the whole scene is because people are like, Oh yeah, I came from Austin. Like you came from Austin too. So we've got little these pockets in Chicago, LA and New York of all Austin. There's Austin based troops in those cities as well uh, huh. where people are like you know um, 
gathering in those cities yeah. as well that uh, have Austin experience. So, but there's always thank God for um, you know Facebook, Google, Texas Instruments, all those companies that bring in all those tech nerds every year to fight our audiences and our fill our yeah. classes. But also, the University of Texas brings us twenty five, thirty five thousand new freshmen every year. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And uh, between those two, and then all the artists and poets and writers in the city, yeah. and the musicians, we usually have a pretty cool eclectic group. And you know, our classes are full uh, right now. We've just enough, you know people to fill all those classes and we we want to keep growing and building more comedians and yeah. get, getting back to it you and i sat together at south by southwest watching mm-hmm. the absolutely incredible stamp town uh mm-hmm. i don't even know if we would be successful in trying to describe what the experience of stamp town was yeah. uh experimental outlandish if uh, if anybody knows the name Martin Urbano from years back, it's like him times a hundred oh, level yeah. insanity. With a, more, with a little more clowning involved. Yeah, yeah. Martin Urbano um, as a clown. Yeah. <laughs> is kind of what that show was. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's hard. It's an incredibly difficult show to to explain. But um, is that is that something that Cold Town would? Uh, inspire is the only word that's coming to mind but like have have room for to create let somebody create something absolutely wild oh yeah a hundred percent i want i want comedic acts that are not just straight up joke telling i mean i like joke telling i like i like a jezel neck <laughs> you know what i mean i like just smart crafted jokes like yeah. that like good seth myers um but um i am i want cold town to be more than just your basic improv troupe doing a montage or a stand-up doing set-up yeah. joke, set-up joke, set-up joke, set-up joke. I want it to be experimental. I want it to be surprising. I want it to be uh, comedians testing things out and, and, and stretching the limits. You know, we were, we were doing that with improv and sketch for sure but pre-pandemic. I don't know how much we were doing with stand-up. Stand-up is a little more of a, um, a side thought, more than, I, more than what I cared for at the time. Um, but I wasn't the only one, you know, say, but now I get to say, I have a lot more say what happens now. So yeah. I want more stand up and I want more experimental stand up. I want more experimental shows. You know, I don't think Stamp Town to me is a stand up show. For me, Stamp Town is a theatrical experience. Yeah. And almost a sketch because there is a running order there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's a, for me, it's a one person sketch show that um, looks like a stand up show, but it is not. It is clearly not. Right. Um, you know, Aristotle and Thari, which we also oh saw gosh, together, yeah. was also, he did this one bit um, during Moon Tower. I saw it, I saw it five times throughout Moon Tower. <laughs> so, but, you know, uh, James, James Austin Johnson mm-hmm. had a different set. Every single set at Moon Tower I was really impressed with that. Dismukes had like, um, you know, eight or nine bits that he was like going back and forth yeah. in between. Uh, so I saw some, but Aristotle did the same bit, slightly modified each time. Uh, for the audience, but it was, it was a sketch. Yeah. It was an improvised sketch with an audience member. There were certain beats that he would hit. There were certain beats that he would skip if it wasn't going well. Mm-hmm. But it was a sketch. Um, it was like a choose your own adventure sketch with an audience member, and it was brilliant. I was like, oh, I would love an hour of that, please. 
Uh, even yeah. if it was the same bit for an hour, I would love that too. <laughs> um, but I would love to see more of what that kind of show would be, more than I would like, I think, most of the comics I saw at Moon Tower. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. The, the, the I saw variety. some great oh, yeah. Moon Tower, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Oh, we were like, at Moon I, Tower, not South by Southwest. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, like uh, Feinstein uh, mm-hmm. does the same set every single time. Mm-hmm. Very slight, very slight yeah. modifications in each set. But I still love her, her storytelling, and yeah. I love her her humor so much. I didn't mind it so much. Yeah. You know? As as uh, executive producer and owner, how do you balance that want? You know, I want to encourage on my stages the experimental, the wild, the crazy. Because the I forgot his name, but the Stamptown guy didn't get there overnight. Right. He had to have had. A ton of failures and before of the success. And a ton of training too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so how do you balance that? Okay, I'm going to bring this experimental hmm. thing to the stage, but it may fall flat. Right. Well, I don't give that person a Saturday day thirty slot. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Until it's, yeah. until it's killing in the other slots. Uh-huh. You give them a you know Monday or Tuesday to work it out mm-hmm. for an hour for, for three people. <laughs> You know what I mean? It's, that's, that's where it has to happen. Yeah. You know, any sketch show or any stand-up is the only way to get better is doing it in front of an audience and figure out what works and what doesn't. It's mm-hmm. the only, you, can't, you can be theoretical with it all you want, but until an audience tells you where the laughs are, you don't know for sure. Because yeah. I've done so many sketch shows with Two Second City where we were confident that this line would work and this line wouldn't, and it's always the opposite. Mm. So the audience will always tell you what's funny, and they'll never lie about what's not funny. You know... Yeah, that's that's the only way to figure it out. So, Coltown's definitely a dojo in that realm where we you come bring your stuff to us. We'll find a spot for it. We'll put you in between other acts that we know are good. Uh-huh. Give you some cushion. Give you some um, uh, protection. Yeah, and uh, we'll see how it goes. And if it's good, maybe we'll do it again. If it's not, we can back to the drawing board. Yeah, you know. How would you at Coltown? I don't know why I'm so fixated on the experimental uh, comedy <laughs> experience. Uh, I'm thinking of a local show that uh, may fit that bill. Okay. And I'm just thinking, you know, again, going back to the Stamptown guy, Zucker. Bucker? So I think it was Zucker. It was okay. Z, definitely Z. Yeah. Uh, you know, he went to clown school. Yep. Uh, trained. Yep. So for somebody that wants to do something like that, is Coldtown a place where somebody could train to do some of the, you know, fringe elements of comedy? I think that comes from someone's own mind. Mm. I don't think we can teach what that guy's doing. (laughs) I think that guy comes from a lot of different influences and kind of puts those influences together to create something. What we can do is provide the influences. You Mm. know, when we have a very successful show, there's usually a lot of copycat submissions. Mm. You know, um, I, uh, you know, Troops like Yawi Asian or um, uh, Sugarwater Purple were vanguards in that, you know, um, and Prima Donia's, you know, troops would pop up in response to that. Or actually, if you have a really good, successful two person sketch show, there's going to be a lot of two person sketch yeah. submissions afterwards. Uh, I was in Chicago with um, it was two white guys. It was um, Becky Drysdale, who ended up writing, uh, head writer of The Tonight Show. And Jordan Peele. And then their two-person sketch show was called Two White Oh, Guys. that guy? Yeah. Um, but 
It was wildly successful. I heard them both to Boom Chicago. But in the aftermath of that was a rash of two-person sketch shows where there weren't any in Chicago. Huh. So having representation on stage, which we find out uh, for the last couple of years at Cold Town, really pays off in dividends to mm-hmm. having filling your classes with those people. So if you put something experimental on stage, you're getting a lot of experimental people in your classes. If you put people of color on stage, you get people of color in your classes. Mm. You know what I mean? So yeah. And put people of color in the staff and the faculty. Uh, it, it, um, so having experimental folks in your staff and faculty will breed more yeah. uh, experimental stuff on your stages. You, you know, they start the classes and they graduate to the yeah. stages. Speaking of y'all, we Asian, are they going to be able to find their their home back at back at Cold Town? Of course, they have an open, op- <laughs> complete, open uh, welcome to yeah. any slot they want. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you know, they. I know they're doing a monthly show at Fallout, so I don't want to poach them. Right, poach them from <laughs> uh, the Fallout. But you know, it's 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 obviously up to them wherever they want to play. Yeah, they're they're the they're the, uh, they're the uh, dominant force in improv in yeah. Boston right now. Yeah. Uh, it was, you know, from the, the performer side, improv troops trying to find spaces to perform mm-hmm. would have, uh, not would have been, but was incredibly difficult because they didn't have those those small black box theaters mm-hmm. to to do their, their craft. Right. Uh, versus stand-ups, there were plenty of of random space. Yeah, <laughs> laundromat, a convenience store. Yeah, lots of Improv, lots of. You need chairs. You need lights to go up <laughs> yeah. and down. <laughs> yeah. You don't need mics, thank God, but you do need uh, you need, need yeah. some sort of lighting system. <laughs> the good thing is everything else is imaginary, right? The right. cupboard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There, I've always I've learned that part from watching many improv shows. Yeah, low cost on props, high cost on emotional weight. Uh, were you keeping up with with what was happening in the improv world in general during the pandemic? Oh, for sure. I was in lots of Zoom groups with other improv theaters from around the country. And yeah, sketch theaters. Um, you know, the uh, Jen and Mick up at the Annoyance in Chicago, where God sends. They are my they are my north stars, mm. Mick artistically and Jen on the business sense. Yeah, um, they've given me lots of good counsel. Um, uh, I've actually, out, been to that theater at the Annoyance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's the if you in Chicago, please go yeah. to the Annoyance and support them. They are doing God's work. Um, but yeah, I have lots of friends around the country that I knew in Chicago that are now all running theaters around the country. So. People in Pittsburgh, people in Atlanta, people in San Francisco, people in Santa Monica, people in Chicago who all own theaters, um, uh, Kansas City, uh, uh, Philly, uh, Detroit. Yeah, so um, I'm in contact with a lot of them, um, and we've just been sharing secrets, basically sharing trade secrets, sharing tips and tricks, Yeah. especially to get through the pandemic part of it. But even right now... As I'm doing a lot of the, I'm doing a lot of fundraising by myself right now. Before we open it up to the Austin crowd, we're about to do a huge push out to Austin arts community. Okay. Uh, and uh, Coltown alumni uh, for some donations. But I've been doing it kind of quietly myself with all my old famous friends and Chicago friends. I I raised fifty thousand dollars this summer all by myself. It's amazing. Uh, just by asking, just by asking people. Yeah. Um, 
but also, you know, there's a lot of people that are like, hey, I don't have money, but I have time. I Let's get on Zoom and talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so catching up with all those people, I've gotten so many good ideas from all of them. And people who don't even, like, own theaters are like, yeah, I've been doing theater for 20 years. How can I help? Um, nice. So some people are doing online workshops for us for free. Um, we've got a writer from Tuca, Tuca and Birdie giving us a work, uh, writing for animation workshop. We've got uh, uh, a sales trainer at TikTok is going to give us a three-week TikTok course Ooh. for people that want to get into TikTok. <laughs> um, yeah, those kind of things. And so getting help from the national comedy community has been unbelievable. Yeah. And your network. I mean, it sounds like you've got an incredible alumni network. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have Coltown alumni, but also Boom Chicago alumni right. and Second City alumni. That uh, And I, Improv Olympic alumni, Annoyance alumni, people I went through classes with in mm-hmm. Chicago have been enormously helpful and then I got I'm, I'm so, I was in a fraternity in college so I got my fraternity, fraternity oh, brothers yeah. to go hit up <laughs> high school friends college. I'm going to hit I'm hitting every email address in my in my is it, what else am I what yeah. else am I holding on to that those email addresses for right <laughs> okay so uh, obviously Moon Tower Comedy Festival came back mm-hmm. uh, with a roar uh, first in September and then again this this past April yeah um uh, out of bounds decided that they were not going to do a formal festival. Right. They're going to do something more behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Austin Sketch Fest came back yes. this fall. So, are we going to see an improv festival perhaps at some point in this city? I certainly hope so. Yeah. I I actually left Out of Bounds in 2019. Okay. Just before I before the pandemic. Oh happened, my gosh! I was like I I did 10 years and I uh, really wanted to focus on Cold Town. Yeah. Um, and Sketchfest, so I quietly stepped down from Out of Bounds, and so um, Asaf and Shannon are in charge of Out of Bounds now. So, and I trust their leadership um, and their guidance. I think until there's a until there's a renaissance for the improv scene here, I don't see mm. it coming back huge until there's like sold out houses at all the theaters, huh. which right now I'd say they're about half, yeah, fifty percent capacity. Classes are full. Audiences are about 50% from what they were hmm. for improv shows. So until there's like that groundswell of troops demanding stage time and audiences demanding improv, I don't know how feasible a festival is. Yeah. Because even in, in Out of Bounds' best years, I don't think we ever got more than maybe 150, 200 people to any one show. Um, so we always tried to sell out the state and we never could fill out the state. You know, we selling out, hide out downstairs and fall out downstairs yeah. pretty easily, but never the North Door, never the state. Mm-hmm. And so until we have that kind of groundswell of attention, troops, uh, really, really good troops that could fill out a whole festival and audiences that are clamoring for it, um, I don't know how uh, needed that festival is yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hmm. I always felt my own experience with the Out of Bounds was I learned so much more by watching the improv because I'm so used to Mm stand-up and sketch. Okay, I watch Saturday Night Live. I watch other sketch shows on TV. So that's a a, uh, concept I've got some familiarity with, but I don't get to see enough improv. Mm -hmm. And so I always enjoyed the improv elements. Uh, But there's improv going on. In the city every night. Yeah, yeah. Hideout, Fallout, and Cold Town. Yeah. And Merlin Works uh, does monthly shows as well. So there's plenty of opportunity 
But getting people out to go see them yeah. is harder than you think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I would trust you on that. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> what do I know? <laughs> uh, okay. So if any, if, uh, if, you have somebody's email address or phone number, they will get hit up for fundraising. 100%. If I have your email address in, your, in, my, in my Yahoo, I'm still on Yahoo, uh, address book, you are getting an email yeah. if you haven't already gotten one. Yeah. Um, how, what else do I, do I want to cover? Oh, we haven't do done our open-ended cards. Let's, Let's do, do that as our little intermission. Okay, okay. so uh, you'll pick one first, and then okay. I'll do the, the other one, and you just read it out loud and answer Great. the question. And this, okay. we're going to test your improv skills, sure. Dave. <laughs> and I ask you one, and you ask me one? Uh, is that how it works? Uh, There's two cards here. What, that's am I getting asked both of them? Oh, that would be fun to do it that way. Okay, so pick one. I'll read it to you, and then you can read the other one to me. Okay, so I'm going to read this one to okay. you. Okay. All right. Your open-ended question. This comes from a board game, card game called "Where Should We Begin?" <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, and you, you know, you can take the other card if you don't. Like this <laughs> <one>. <laughs> uh, I feel most attractive when oh, dot dot Jesus dot. Christ. <laughs> I feel most attractive. <laughs> now I'm a married man, yeah. <laughs> and I feel most attractive. I feel most attractive when my wife is complimenting me or kissing me, for sure. Um, maybe at the end of a sh- really good show, if I've had a particularly good show, mm-hmm. I feel attractive after that yeah. show. Um, I guess that's it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, these I'm are not, so goofy sometimes. I am. I am a handsome boy, <laughs> but I'm also a little hefty, so I don't feel attractive that mm. often. But when my wife gives me a compliment or gives me a kiss, yeah. I feel very attractive. And yeah, I'm way into her. And you two have been married for a, a while. We've, <coughs> we've been married for, for 14 years and we've been together for uh, 19 years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Traveling the world together. Yep. Yeah. We did a, we did a second city boat cruise together. We've <laughs> uh, done shows in hawaii we've done shows in europe we've done shows in chicago and north carolina and philly all over yeah yeah nice yeah. all right well i get go. to ask you this all one, right. right let's see uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh no <laughs> oh no <laughs> this one's even more oh no i'm already turning red and i haven't heard it oh i'm so happy oh boy I, i'm so happy oh, i did god. not pick this one. Oh god oh god during sex, Valerie. <laughs> oh my God! The world melts away when dot dot dot. Oh my God! Okay. You didn't Dave, vet, you didn't vet you, these. No, because you didn't all vet I these do cards? is I go like this sure. and I just randomly. And now, if this is my podcast, my, I would have gone through that twice <laughs> to make sure there's no questions. I need to do that now. I think. <laughs> Although you know, I interview comics who talk That's about true. the dirtiest things. This well, is so. Time to step up to the plate. This is. Oh my god. <laughs> I'll go. I'll answer it for you. Okay, thank but you. But you, you got you got to answer it if I, I answer have, it. Okay, fine. I will. I'll be vulnerable and answer it. Okay. Uh, when I had during sex, the world melts away. When I can just get into the rhythm mm. and just feel the rhythm. Yeah. And something just something just takes me. Oh my god. <laughs> 
What's really funny about this car, these cards, the fact that they, I picked two randomly and though that was the pairing, yeah. but also that these were on top because I had a guest who canceled on me. Oh. And I'm thinking also of, oh my God, what if these had been the questions for that person? Oh my God. <laughs> how would that have gone? Right. Uh, okay. Uh, uh. Uh, uh, gosh, I think for me, mm-hmm. it's the world melts away when uh, we're getting into the rhythm, but then I also, uh, we are kissing. So there's something about that, like, extra connection and just, oh, my God. <laughs> Am I going to have to put a trigger warning on this episode? <laughs> I'm this also going to come up. Kissing is very good. Kissing is yeah. very hot. Yeah. Like, big fan of kissing. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I think I might have to take pictures of these and uh, <laughs> might be the cover art. No, it won't be. Wouldn't that be? Cold Town Theaters, Dave Buckman. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Goodness. All right. Well, how do we get back to the serious business of stand-up, improv, and sketch? All right. Uh... That was fun, actually, from the perspective that I've been doing these cards uh, a few months now, but Mm. I always have the guest read their own question, Mm. and now I think having the other person read makes it even more fun. And it may be that these questions were... If I picked it up and just read it myself, I can make up whatever I wanted to. That's true. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. You could have. Okay, so future guests, be forewarned. Mm Um. We've talked about improv. We've talked about stand-up. What about sketch? What's what's mm. what are some cool things happening at Cold Town with sketch? Ah, uh, boy, we got to write some sketch shows. I mm. plan on doing one in the spring. I'm going to. I did a show called Austin Translation um, about six or seven years ago, um, and uh, it was created. In the Second City style, where we improvise and re-improvise and re-improvise and re-improvise until it's like a fine diamond, mm-hmm. and we kind of find a theme, and or we're writing to a theme, um, and we kind of put it together. It's like it becomes a sketch review of songs and improv games and sketches, um, topical sketches. And I want to do another one based on the gentrification that we're experiencing, called Gentrification Station. Hmm. Or gentrification invasion station? I don't know. Uh. I'm very, very like, it's going to be probably not the answer you were hoping for, but <laughs> uh, I'm very right now into the concept of communities living side by side with each other and how they interact, whether they absorb each other or go to war with each other mm. or live cohesively or have some sort of exchange or just like, how are these, how are two different communities living side by side dealing with each other and you got that all over the world right now you got Israel and Palestine you got Russia and Ukraine you've got downtown and east side mm-hmm. yeah all and we're a part of that conversation too and I think I want to do a sketch show around those themes um, for next fall I know Will Cleveland also has a sketch show up his sleeve as well but we need to um, we just had sketch fest there's some really good sketches in there but I don't. I didn't see a lot of traditional sketches in that sketch fest. Huh. It was very t- 
talky to the audience. Um, a lot of high concept stand up or duo stand up or some of the sketches were they're not as tight as I'd hoped they'd be. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like I like really tight, really tight sketch. I mean, yeah. when we got to Chicago, Tina Fey was on stage, Scott Atzo was on stage, um, Dratch was on stage, and these were like really smart, sophisticated, sexy, tight sketches. Yeah. Um, with cool transitions in between, which is different than the UCB style, which is UCB style sketches like do the sketch, long blackout while we set up for the next one, unrelated sketch. And I like Second City where there's like a theme yeah. to the show. There's a vibe to the show. There's an aesthetic to the show. Sketches don't end. They kind of transition into the next one. Mm-hmm. Or if there is a blackout, it's very quick and very short and used for enunciation. Uh, for the laugh rather than like that's that's over and let's go set up for the, let's bring a table on bring a table off I don't like that I like yeah. if that table's on there we're gonna dance with that table and place it where it needs to be for the next one yeah um, I've had that exposed and do a little choreography so I want to do one of those Willow wants to do one of his um, and uh, I'm hoping there's a lot more sketch shows coming Prayer Circle's still uh, a thing it was one of our uh, premier sketch troops and I know that they're writing and creating mm-hmm. uh, we oh. did the Emma Dilemma which is kind of sketch prov, um, where uh, um, Jared Robinson, who's God willing will be in the sketch show with me, <laughs> wrote this amazing um, concept where it was a Sally Jesse Raphael takeoff, uh-huh. where he wrote these scenarios of like, here's the conflict. Um, he gave everybody characters to improvise. So he would come up with a premise, the conflict, and the characters, and they would improvise from there yeah. with their costumes. They would be given their, uh, bring in costumes. So it was sketch pravi. Um, so there's that going on, too. Very yeah. cool. And I want to bring in some really cool people, yeah. too, from yeah. the national scene. Hmm. So I think once you do that, people are like, oh, I want to, once they see somebody doing it really well, they're like, I want to aspire yeah. to that. And they start producing their own things. Right, yeah. right. And you have the full offering of classes, mm-hmm. so they can come to you for, you know, learning how to do the thing. You would think, yeah. Sketch, <laughs> I find, sketch gets a lot of attrition in our classes mm. because people, unlike improv, sketch classes have homework, mm-hmm. and people uh, are a little, either like, I didn't sign up for homework, yeah. or they're like, they didn't do an ex- uh, they didn't do it. The assignment this week, so they feel bad about coming to class when they really shouldn't. They, we need yeah. we need people to read sketches too, not just provide sketches. Yeah. Um, so then they they're a week behind. They feel out of place, and then they stop coming. It's, I see it a lot with sketch. So you know, we really we really try, but yeah. finding those sketch writers mm-hmm. are hard. Everyone wants to be an actor. No one. Everyone wants to be on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> Nobody wants to write for it. <laughs> Well, people do want to write for it, but they don't want to do the work. Yeah. (laughs) It's just the job. Yeah. Well, yes, if they have another job, it's, yeah, you're right. It's tough. It's like, okay, I'm committing to the class, but homework? You're crazy. Yeah. No, you got to write every day if you want to be a sketch writer. Well, if you wanted to be a performer in the comedic arts, you pretty much have to do something every day Mm -hmm. to advance that. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a commitment. Yeah. Is there anything we haven't covered? Hmm. Uh, yeah, coldtowntheater.com <laughs> forward slash support is the, is the website page you need to go to yeah. to help keep Coldtown going into 2024. The building we're in right now will be condos by 2024. Hmm. Um, so this year is about proving ourselves and uh, raising the money we need to to 
yeah. get beyond this year. Yeah. And you're from from the conversation that we had at Moon Tower, your big dream and ambition is to construct your own space. That would be the dream. I yeah. mean, if we can get another three hundred fifty thousand dollars, we can build a space that is perfect for us. Yeah. It has a it'll have a bar, it'll have two or three classrooms, a green room, an outdoor patio, mm-hmm. um, a seventy seat theater. Um, that's and that's all we that's all we want yeah. honestly that's all we want to just to get it back to going because we were pretty good and I know we can get back to even yeah. being even better yeah. yeah yeah for sure are the picnic tables at the new venue there are picnic tables and we also got these boardroom tables too in our but there's a nice patio out there yeah uh, to sit outside and have some drinks and uh, hang out under the uh, Christmas lights and uh, swat away some mosquitoes and <laughs> drink. Uh, have some drinks until uh, you want to go yeah. home. Nice. And uh, with your grand opening week, reopening weekend, you were celebrating 15? 16. 16 Sweet years? 16. Wow. Yeah, 2006. October 2006 was our first shows at the airport. Oh, my gosh. As old as my teenager. Right. It's crazy. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, one of the things that I, u- I do during my, my episodes mm-hmm. is I, I ask these one-word questions, okay. one for your past, one for your uh, future, and back in 2018, mm. your past word was laughter, <laughs> and your, your future word was rich, but you, you conditioned that as full of love. Mm-hmm. Do you want to revisit either of those Both. for today? Both. Okay. <laughs> All right. So one word to describe your past. One word to describe your past. Dues? What? <laughs> dues. Like paying my dues. Oh, like I, I okay. had to, I mean, working at Second City, working in Boom Chicago, uh, work, building Coal Town, you know, it's all come to fruition. Like all these things that I've been yeah. experiencing and all these experiences I've had and background and jobs I've had and working at the Chamber of Commerce, working in uh, marketing offices and office managing and just even waiting tables or cooking. Yeah. It's all helps me get to this. Yeah. Paying my dues to get to this hmm. point. Uh, and for the future, one word to describe my future. Hmm. Hmm. Gosh. I think. I want to say brilliant in the in the sense of just like this brilliant light. I was going to say bright, but brilliant seem, seems a better adjective for that kind of light I'm talking about, of just like this brilliant light that is attracting comics, a beacon, a beacon of light, maybe. Mm, yeah. I'm going to ask you a hypothetical. Okay. Because since I have known you, you and Cold Town are like, you can't say one without the other. I, okay. I, it's hard for me to see that, but okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I keep them separate. <laughs> well, so if you did not have Cold Town Theater in your life, oh boy. What would Dave Buckman be doing? <laughs> without Cold Town. If Cold Town the Troop didn't follow us into town six months after we got here <laughs> where would we be let's see i'd probably 
I'd probably still be doing shows at the hideout. Because Fallout wouldn't even exist. Yeah. Because Fallout came from New Movement. New Movement came from Cold Town. So all that is gone. Uh-huh. Now that happened. So we'd all still be at the hideout. I don't know that I'd be in Austin. Huh. At that point. Maybe. I don't know. Without Cold Town, maybe we're in L.A. Rachel and I are in L.A. or New York or Chicago or Philly or Cleveland. I don't know. Hmm. Um... I don't know if I do an improv anymore. Maybe cooking? Maybe cooking somewhere. Huh. Or a teacher? God, I hope not. <laughs> I'm really happy with what I am right now. I'm really happy that this is my life right now. I'm really happy that I own, get to own a comedy club. If not just for this year, I get to own a comedy club, which has been a dream of mine. Um, I'm hanging around comics for the next year. And God willing, um, I'll get to keep doing it beyond this year. So... I guess right now, until I know where the next space is, I have a hard time seeing beyond 2023 about what's, yeah. what's going what's gonna to happen yeah. um, until I know that we can afford it or there's a new space to move into. And beyond that, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's a lot of puzzle pieces that need to come together in order. Place, yeah. And yeah. I am very good. I'm a very patient person. I'm very good at waiting. I'm very good at letting things play out. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to try my damnedest to make it happen, but I'm also not going to feed any disappointment if it doesn't. Hmm. I'm trying to keep that part of me open so I don't, to to ease the heartbreak if it doesn't work out. Yeah. I don't want to have that kind of failure on my hands, so I'm kind of bracing myself like, if it happens, amazing. I'm going to try everything I can to make it happen. If it doesn't happen, it wasn't supposed to happen, and that's okay too. Yeah. And I will find another path. Maybe I'll direct plays. Maybe I'll direct stand-up uh, showcases. I'll produce something. Or maybe I'll just go to cooking school. <laughs> well, I don't know. You've been performing a really long time. It seems like, well, I guess you can perform as a chef too. But right. it seems like performance is, you know, running through your veins. And yeah. it'd be hard for you to step away from that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe become a stage performer. I miss huh. doing plays a lot. Huh. And acting in plays and directing plays. And I haven't yeah. done that in a long time. So that's always another path, too. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's be the eternal optimists. Yes. And uh, it's it's all going to work out. And after that lease ends, you're going to have that pot of gold. And <laughs> <laughs> the banks will be like, wow, you really killed it in, in uh, 22. Hey, you made all the 20- money. Can we give you money now? <laughs> yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> oh, man. Just doesn't make sense sometimes. All right. Well, that is a wrap on Comedy Wham Presents. Dave Buckman, tell us uh, again where we can find you on social media and promote the things you want to promote. Oh, yeah. Uh, please, uh, at Dave Buckman at Facebook or Instagram. I think I'm Mr. Bucktastic on TikTok. <laughs> don't, I don't make videos. Don't follow me there. I'm following you. Don't follow me. Um, uh, also, at Cold Town, Cold Town Theater um, on Instagram, TikTok. Twitter, all, all, all the grams. Yeah. And then uh, ATX Sketchfest as well. Very good. Well, we oh, hope... I should say Cold Town is C-O-L-D-T-O-W-N-E. Oh. Yeah. The old-timey way of spelling town. <laughs> we hope you've enjoyed learning about how Dave got to be the comedic genius that you heard today just as much as I have. This has been Comedy Wham Presents Dave Buckman. I'm Valerie, and that's been funny. Thank you, Dave. Thanks for having me, Val. I really appreciate it. Yeah.